I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Thanks for joining us again this week for the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm so glad you tuned in again and hope you're enjoying all of our conversations here on Parenting Aces. If you haven't already, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you like to get your podcasts. And also, if you could leave us a rating and review on iTunes, that's really helpful in helping others find us because, hey, we just want to get our information out there and help as many parents as we can. On this week's episode, you're going to hear from Ruben Statham. He is a professional tennis player, but he's also a businessman, an entrepreneur, and he's got a very interesting story to tell, not only about his own junior and professional tennis development, not only as his in his life as a twin, but also now as an entrepreneur out there developing and promoting a product and a business. And so I think you're going to enjoy hearing from him. I want to encourage you all to check out the show notes this week because you will hear me reference a discount on Ruben's product in in our interview. And so I want to make sure that you have access to that. It's pretty significant. And I want all of you to take advantage of it if you decide to Take the leap and uh, invest in your own personal streaming machine, which I highly encourage you to do. So without further ado, let me bring Ruben Statham on the line and enjoy this week's chat. So glad you could be with us for this week's episode of the Parenting Aces podcast with me and with Ruben Statham, who is the founder of the Pro Stringer and a current player on the tour, and Ruben, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Lisa. Appreciate it. So to jump in, I'd love for you to give my listeners a little bit of background on your life in tennis and how you came up as a junior and how you made the decision to go out on the pro tour. Yeah, uh, I have a twin brother in New Zealand, and... uh, we obviously love tennis, so we uh, we started playing quite a bit, and um, then just got into the junior tournaments, and then uh, uh, came to the states to play the Orange Bowl when we we're kind of 13, 14 years old, and uh, yeah, playing pretty pretty good tennis, and one of the top juniors in in uh, New Zealand and Australia. So decided actually both of us decided to kind of pursue it and. Um, keep going with tennis and then uh, I picked up my first ATP points at 16 it's pretty young um, and then Davis Cup uh, I started playing Davis Cup when I was just turned 17 uh, which is also pretty young and pretty nerve wracking to be out there playing for country at 17 so that took me a while to adjust and yeah then just just decided to pro tour kind of full time from uh, possibly around 18, um, and then uh, 12 years later, I'm here. <laughs> and was college tennis ever part of the equation for you, or part of the conversation for you, or did you always know that you were going to go straight to the professional ranks? Yeah, I think it it was. Uh, was a strong consideration. I was, um, I was probably fifty-fifty on it. I think, uh, I think, because I, I started doing well pretty young, sixteen, playing Davis Cup, seventeen. I, I decided to pursue the pro tour straight away. Um, but it was, it was still a, a heavy consideration, and, and it's a tough decision to make. But um, I figured. Uh, your your body doesn't last as long as your brain, so um, might as well play while while you're young, and um, then you can always go back to college afterwards. That was kind of my thinking at the time. So um, yeah, that's that's what I decided on. Fantastic. And so you are currently playing here in the states, and you've been kind of making the rounds uh, through the various events around the U.S. this summer. 
Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to play at the level where you are? You're not quite to that uh, top-level ATP tournament yet. Um, and, I, you know, I've, I've posted several articles and done several interviews with players over the years who are outside the top 150 or so, and life is very different at that level on the tour. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, um, you know, you've got the three different kind of levels, the future challenges and ATP events, and it's a bit of a process uh, collecting points uh, to, you know, make your way up to the top 100. Um, but, you know, uh, it's 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 fun. It's a great life experience. You get to travel the world and meet a lot of different unique people and, um and uh yeah, I think it's I think it's a great thing to do while you're young and obviously uh you get to play the sport that you love and um yeah, you you I mean most people kind of want to be playing ATP WTA events, uh in the in the Grand Slams and Davis Cup and so that's the goal and uh yeah, you just try to um facilitate an environment that nurtures that and uh, allows you to de- to develop to your fullest and um, try to enjoy it at the same time. Can you give our listeners a kind of a peek into what a typical day looks like for you during a tournament week? During a tournament week, uh, well, everyone has their you know specific routines that they feel is is best for themselves to to perform. Optimally, and uh, for me, it would probably be I, I go to the gym in the morning. Um, I'll I'll do all my uh, rehabilitation type of stuff, the rolling and you know stretching and trigger point stuff and uh, activation stuff. You know, just do a little run, a uh, bit more dynamic type of stretching, uh, and yeah, just get the body ready for the match, uh, and then head to the court and. Do the the pre-match warm-up and you know discuss your crazy plans with your coach and um, then play the match. Uh, you might have singles in the uh, sorry doubles in the afternoon um, and uh, yeah that's about it. I mean it's it, it's a bit dependent on how you're feeling, how many matches you've played leading in, and there's a lot of uh, different things that come into it. But um, that's that's generally how I prepare for a match. Do you travel with a coach? Uh, I have been the last year and a half, two years. I've travelled mostly with a coach. Um, I have a couple of different guys that I work with, um, depending on uh, whereabouts I'm playing in the world. Um, but yeah, generally I have I've got a coach with me. Yeah. That's nice. I I know not all players are in that same situation, you know, and like you said, um, maybe part of the year you'll travel with a coach and part of the year you're kind of on your own out there. It's got to be a very different feeling when you're on your own having to make travel plans and figure out meals and lodging and all of that. Um, You know, just wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, it's... um it's a bit of a crazy lifestyle, really. Uh, you know, you've got maybe five or six pro tournaments around the world that you can choose from, um, but it, it depends what tournaments you get into. So, literally last minute, you can find out you get into a tournament in Japan instead of Germany, and and you just pack your bags and go straight away. So, it's it's pretty hectic and last minute, um, but you try to. You know, you try to travel with a coach or like a good friend um, that's also playing, um, and then it, it's more enjoyable. But um, yeah, it's it's all pretty last minute, and um, and uh, yeah, it can be pretty hectic out there. But it's good fun. <laughs> that's great. Um, I'm glad to hear you're having a good time. That's important. Yeah. So a, a couple years ago, you noticed something going on out on the tour in terms of 
stringing and keeping your rackets well strung and making it affordable. I want you to share with with the Parenting Aces group here how you came up with the idea of creating a portable stringer and what were the types of things that you wanted to include in your product to make sure that it stood out in the marketplace and how do you find the time to market the pro stringer while training and competing? A lot of questions all rolled into one there. Sorry. Yeah, that's a bunch of them. <laughs> um, Just tackle the ones you want to tackle. <laughs> Surprise, you can fit that all into one sentence. That's great. Um, no, it, it started uh, when I was about 17. Um, um, I have a twin brother, and he was playing on tour, and um, we spent just over 17,000 US dollars that first year on our restringing. Um, so we were playing in Europe, wow. we were playing on clay. Um, I also feel when we were juniors, we were probably breaking more strings than as pros, because uh, you know when you're when you're a professional, you're more playing matches. Um, you're playing a lot of tournaments and, and matches where juniors are kind of training a lot. You're on court kind of three, four, five hours a day training, developing your game. So you're breaking a lot more strings. Anyway, we were we spent just over 17 grand that first year uh, that we played pro tennis and we're in Europe on the clay just going through a lot of strings. And um, then the second year we traveled with, uh, um, you know, one of those drop weight so-called portable machines. Um, it was still kind of 50 pounds, uh, around 25 kgs, um, and we had to split it into both of our travel bags, you know, pay for the overweight baggage, and um, it, it wasn't a great machine being a drop weight machine, uh, so it was, it was just tricky, and um, so we did that for our second year on tour, it saved a lot of money, it was it's quite good, but um, it was very difficult to transport the machine around, and then we had to pay for the overweight charges and da da da. And, um, and I, I had a few ideas, um, a few crazy ideas when I was when I was young, and um, I just didn't really know how to take the first step. But uh, when that second year, I was in Korea and. Um, I had this, uh, it was mainly only Korean players in that tournament, and there was a distinct man that was clapping for me the whole time, and I did pretty well that week. I made the final, but he was there every day clapping, clapping, clapping. And the second week up in Korea, it was about three hours away, and same guy was there clapping, and it was pretty much the only guy clapping for me, so <laughs> I paid attention. <laughs> Literally. Um, Lest we so, underestimate our power as fans, right? We do have power yeah, as that, fans. I, I just need <laughs> one. I just need one. Um, yeah, and so that second week, I thought, well, he's traveled to maybe come watch me play the second week. So bought a couple of coffees, went and had a chat to the guy, and um, his English wasn't that great, but um, we kind of spoke a bit of broken English together, and... Uh, my brother was, uh, he was stringing a racket in the players' lounge with this big drop weight portable thing. And, um, you know, he asked, like, what's the deal there? And I kind of tried to explain to him why we have this machine. And um turns out he's an electronic engineer and he's pretty switched on with the whole, with, in, uh, you know, with technology and tennis, you know, obviously a crazy tennis fan if he, came drove three hours to watch me play. So um, then, you know, he, he just couldn't believe that was the best option. And uh, and so, yeah, we had a couple of dinners that week and discussed things. I saw a few plans that I'd uh, come up with. And, um, yeah, we, we started to work together. And it's probably, probably just over two years of um, failed attempts before the the first prototype of the machine came out and um and yeah just initially it was uh I, my intention was just to 
have a machine for my my brother and myself to have on the road and um yeah it, the first machine was was okay it it did the job it wasn't great um and then uh we we just improved it over the years and um yeah then a lot of our friends on tour that were in exactly the same situation they wanted it so I'd make up machines specially for them and uh just at cost price and then their friends wanted and it just went from there and uh kind of got to the point where I was like oh I guess I've got to make a business out of this and um <laughs> and so I started a started a website just to to make uh purchases of all, uh, more automated and um yeah, just uh, just kind of took off and um, took me by surprise. And then, uh, yeah, we uh, we improved the machine a lot and and just uh, made it commercially available for the public. And and yeah, that's that's how it all started. So you said that you were spending about seventeen thousand dollars US a year on stringing. Can you contrast that to what your prize winnings were during that period, just so my listeners have an understanding of how significant that $17,000 really was? Yeah, um, probably on tour, uh, from from playing tournament prize money, probably only making that. uh, I was about 600 in the world probably at that age. Uh, probably only making around thirty grand a year. I'd say thirty-five. Um, but so this was about half of half of your take was going to cover your streaming expense. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know they they charge between fifteen to thirty dollars a racket to to string at pro tournaments. Um, so yeah, if if you're breaking one or two strings a day, which which we were doing times two two people. Um, it's quite quite a bit. Uh, it it does add up over over the year and over your career. You know, if you're looking to play ten fifteen years. So. Sure. So you you're kind of straddling that line right now. Um, you know, part of you, well, the majority of you, I guess, is is a professional tennis player, but there's still a piece of you who has turned into an entrepreneur and businessman. How does that feel and how does that fit into where you thought you'd be right now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. As, as I said, I didn't, uh, didn't plan on, plan on all this. I thought I'd uh, just play tennis and keep life simple. But um, the first, the first couple of years were, uh, or probably year and a half was, was kind of slow um and then uh the last three years it's it's kicked off a lot uh kind of to the point where I'm writing emails on my phone and taking calls all the way up to walking onto the tennis court to play a match so um yeah it's it's pretty full time now and uh I have a team of five guys behind me helping out in uh the certain aspects of the business, which helps a lot um but yeah it's it, it's pretty full on to um, be able to to focus on uh, professional tennis and and playing Davis Cup, yet running a business um, too. But but I love it, and it's uh, you know it's it's something purposeful. It provides a product that helps a lot of uh, a lot of tennis players around the world, and um, to you know they can travel with a string machine now and do things that they normally couldn't do. Um, we've got. You know, a lot of teams, high schools that have been able to save a lot of money and uh, in their budget, which allows them to do other things within their, their budget that they haven't before. Um, so, yeah, it's it's great fun. And um, probably the only, the only awkward thing is that uh, I play a lot of guys that use the machine. <laughs> at, least, uh, <laughs> at least one or two guys every week I play against in tournaments using the machine. So... That gets a little bit awkward, but um, actually, uh, I played a guy a couple of weeks ago that was a customer, and we came up to the net to do the coin toss, and um, 
and he asked me if I if he could get some more clamps for the machine <laughs> at the coin toss, and the umpire was a little bit confused there. So I was, yeah, I, I thought I kind of said that we should we should go to battle, and then afterwards we'll talk about it. <laughs> that's pretty funny one of the things that I think is so cool on your website which it's uh, pro-stringer.com and that'll be in the show notes for my listeners but one of the things I love about your site is you have a little calculator on there where people can go on and figure out exactly what they're spending on stringing right now and compare that to what they would spend if they invested in your pro stringer and I, I mean the numbers do not lie and it's it's a pretty eye-opening thing to see um, you know we may not think about it when it's just you know it's $15 here or $20 there but over the course of the year like you said it adds up very quickly and the cost of the stringer is so minuscule in the scheme of things especially for families with junior players and if you have multiple players you know even more so but over the course of their junior development years my gosh you can save a fortune yeah exactly yeah I think um, a lot of people don't quite realize how much they're spe- spending a year on stringing expenses um, as you say it's even more so if you have more than one kid um, so yeah, we we just threw in, into the website that uh, that online calculator just so you can quickly throw in how much it costs to string a racket times how many uh, times you're breaking strings a week and just um, get a, a rough idea of how much you are actually spending a year. So um, yeah, I thought that would be helpful, and I think it has been um, also for colleges. Um, They've been able to. We have a college calculator there that they can calculate um, within, you know, the ten, fifteen players they have in the team how how much they are actually spending the on string, and it's yeah, it's quite a lot. So um, yeah, that that's been helpful, and I think uh, I think personally, growing up myself, um, just learning how to string is uh, is an invaluable tool. You you kind of have to do it. And um, if if you're looking to play for years to come, like myself and my twin brother were, um, then it's it's really a no-brainer. You need to know how to string rackets. And um, if you're going to play tennis for 15 years, let's say, uh, if you don't know how to string rackets, since looking at you know more than 100 grand type of stuff. So um, yeah, it's and it it also teaches. Your accountability for your your tools and equipment, um, just to, you know, have you're in control of that, and it creates a little bit of discipline and um, saves a lot of money, and and also uh, just uh, just consistency of performance. Uh, when you travel, uh, when you travel, you get different different people stringing the rackets, and they use different techniques, and they're using different machines every week. Um, so you just get, you get you're getting different results with um, with the tension in your racket, and that you know at a at a high level that does affect performance. So yeah, just uh, being able to have uh, your specific customized tension wherever you play, um, wherever you travel to is is key, and and yeah, just creating that discipline and uh, with the kids is is important. Sure. And, you know, I've talked about many times on this podcast the fact that the margins in the higher levels of tennis are so small between the top players and the next tier down and the next tier down and the next tier down. I mean, the margins are just minuscule. And so being able to control things like making sure that your strain tension is consistent week in and week out could be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can I can say myself. Uh, if you look on the stats um, of all of my matches over the last 14 years on tour, uh, I'd say 90-95% of them are won and lost within five to seven points. You know, sometimes one or two points. 
So within, you know, let's say a two-hour match, it's just a couple of points just that that decides whether you want to lose. So, um, and yeah, it's like that at at every level of the game, um, whether it be juniors, college tennis, pro tennis. Um, if you're if you're playing at that level, it's um, it's always just a couple of points. So yeah, the little things make a difference. Um, how you prepare for matches uh, and and your equipment is a big part of that. Um, preparing your equipment, making sure everything's organised and ready, making sure your racket's at that perfect tension um, for that suits the conditions that you're playing in that week. Um, you know, like I was I was in Colombia a couple of weeks ago. I was playing an altitude play there, so different conditions than the US hard court. So it's a little bit faster there with the altitude. So I'd, I'd bring my tension up two pounds to adjust to that, and um, and then the ball would sit sit a little bit more. It would feel a lot better and just bring the tension up two pounds. Um, whereas I've come back here and playing in Lexington this week, I'll, I'll drop it two pounds because uh, the courts are playing a little bit slower, a bit slower through the air. Um, so yeah, it's all these all these little things uh, that you learn over time. It's all part of kind of the journey of tennis is learning all these little things that equate to success. And um, yeah, one of those elements is is uh, is your equipment. So. Uh, for the kids learning, slowly learning what's best for them and what suits them and what equates to winning for them is is a big part of the game. Sure. And, you know, one thing I want to point out, too, is when you play college tennis, the, the school may provide the actual string, but the players are still responsible for having their rackets strung as needed. And so if you're the guy or girl that knows how to string and has a stringer, maybe a pro stringer, um, then it's a great income source for you, uh, you know, to, to be able to string the rackets for your teammates and make a little money on the side. Um, it's a great way to, to have some extra spending money. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, this is actually a funny story. Uh, I remember when we first brought out the machine, um, my brother obviously had a, had a machine, a pro stringer and, um, I won a $25,000 pro event in Australia, in Queensland. And he ended up making more money stringing rackets that week than I did winning the singles title. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> because there was, a, there was a women's and men's tournament that week. So you've got, you've got 32 guys in the main draw, 32 girls in the main draw, and then you've got 64 in each of the qualifying draws. So you've got 200 plus players there, and uh, they all made their rackets restring. And there was only one stringer, and he couldn't he couldn't deal with the load of the rackets. So uh, so Oliver did most of them, and yeah, he actually made more money stringing than uh, I did winning the tournament. So that was a that was an example of how it can also be uh, beneficial if if you want to go that route. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's just handy to it's a handy tool to have um, in in a few different cases, um, whether it be junior tennis, college tennis, or or pro tennis. Well, so let's switch gears for a second, and I'm going to have you do a sales pitch for for the pro stringer in comparison to other portable stringers that are out there. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the features that it has other than you already talked about the lightweight aspect of it, but some of the other features that it has that set it apart from the competition. Yeah. Um, well, mainly the size is a, is a big thing. It's about a tenth the size of any other machine. So, um, it's uh, about four pounds. Uh, the machine can literally fit on the palm of your hand. Uh, it's the, I mean, y- you can travel with other machines if you kind of split it up like I used to do into a couple of bags and 
Um, but then, you know, you're not allowed, uh, the baggage allowance these days isn't a lot, so you're going to be charged overweight baggage. And um, But with ProString, you can you can just take it on the plane. It comes in a little carry case, and, uh, yeah, you just take out the, the pliers and the, the cutters, and then you can take the whole thing on the plane, which is good. Uh, and yeah, it, mainly it's the size and portability. You can fit the, you can fit in a tiny little drawer, and um, and also it's electronic. Whereas all the other portable portable machines are, are kind of drop weight um, machines. And so yeah, with with the electronic uh, constant pull tensioning, you have uh, more consistent and accurate results. Um, and yeah, it, it's. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's mainly the size and the the portability and being able to travel with it wherever you go. Or even even a lot of businessmen have enjoyed having it. They can take it to work and string in their lunch break if they want. Um, we've <laughs> we've got some crazy pictures out there of customers, you know, stringing in bathrooms and buses and on trains, just anywhere. So. Um, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool getting feedback of the crazy different places that they've decided to string rackets. So, um, yeah, it just gives you a little bit more freedom uh, compared to other machines. You just you can't do that. Um, so that was kind of the intention at the start to, to have something for myself and my brother um, that would allow you to do that, uh, to string wherever you want and uh, make life a little bit easier. Yeah, that's great. And can you talk a little bit about what it comes with? Uh, the, the package comes with everything you could possibly need to, to string a racket, all the tools, and so yeah, the machine, the, the mounting system that you put the racket on top of, you know, the clamps, uh, the, the power cord that goes into the wall. We've even includes the uh, universal power adapter, so. Wherever you travel in the world, you can plug it into any any wall socket. Um, so yeah, it, it comes with everything possible you could need to string a racket. That's fantastic. And you guys have generously offered a discount to the Parenting Aces community, so I want to make sure that my listeners know about that. And it's a hundred dollar discount off the purchase price, which is fantastic. And the promo code for that will be in the show notes, so you'll have to check that out. Check out the show notes either on parentingaces.com or on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you read through the notes, you'll see that promo code, and you'll be able to get $100 off your pro stringer. Um, and the price is really very reasonable, Ruben. Yeah, that's what a lot of people tell me. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a reasonable price. It's... Um, so I think with with the discount we've included a few guys at six ninety US. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, any junior that's playing a reasonable amount of tennis will that will uh, that will pay itself off in a couple of months easily, and then uh, you're saving money from there on out. Um, yeah, so it's it's good. It's a great tool to use, and um, it's kind of a no-brainer if if your kids are looking to play tennis for for years to come. What's the best way for a young junior to learn how to string? Well, there's, uh, I mean, ideally, if you have a friend that uh, can can kind of put you through it and, and show you how to string a racket in, in real life, that's, that's optimal. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of instructional videos out there on online. We actually have uh, two YouTube channels that... Um, the videos that go through all the different elements of, of string the racket. Um, and, you know, it, it takes a little bit to, to learn how to string a racket. Uh, you'd, probably, you'd probably have to focus a little bit, maybe a, a week, to kind of really get the hang of things. And um, then when you string your first couple of rackets, you know, it, it takes a bit of time to to string the racket. And, you know, it is a little bit of an investment in your time just for I'd say a week to learn how to string, but then as you as you learn it, 
it, it becomes really easy. Um, you know, I can sit down and string a racket in 13 minutes and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it becomes very easy, but there is that initial investment in time just to figure out how to, how to string a racket. And, um, you know, there's a lot of YouTube instructional videos out there and our two channels that you can, you can see them on our website, uh, under the features page, there's, uh, there's written instructions on how to string and also links to the YouTube channels, um, just to help customers learn and, um, yeah, but, you know, like anything, once you get the hang of it, it becomes pretty simple. Sure. And how old do you think a player should be before they start stringing their own rackets? Is there an age? Yeah, I, I was I was uh, 14 when I started. Uh, I think my brother was actually 13 when he started. Um, and, yeah, I think... Uh, I think 14, 15 is, is a good age to to learn. And, um, of course, when you're younger, you pick yourself a little bit quicker too. So um, I think 14, 15 is a good age. And, uh, you know, you, you're playing a lot of, if you're serious about tennis, you're playing a lot of tennis then, and it's kind of a good age. You could be, if you're looking to play college tennis afterwards, you're looking at a good 10 years from, from that age. So um, I think... I think 14, 15 is a good age to start. Uh, most of my friends that kind of developed into professional tennis players, they started around that age also. It does take, you know, a little bit of physical strength to, to string and certainly some coordination and kind of need the arm length too, I would guess. <laughs> you might not have an eight or nine um, to be able to actually pull the string through. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't really tested out um, eight or nine year old string on the machine. That's a good question. <laughs> I might well, there that. you go. Who knows? You can get <laughs> one of the ball kids this week. Sorry. Yeah, get one of get one of the ball kids at the tournament this week to yeah. come do a little test for you. You can video it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so what else do you want us to know? Um, I, you know, Pro Stringer, we, we want to make sure that everybody has the website. It's pro-stringer.com, so be sure to check that out and check the show notes for the for the Parenting Aces discount. What else do you want the Parenting Aces world to know about you and about your product? Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything there. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's I just a, want to keep you talking because I love your accent, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's only about 3 million New Zealanders in the world, so I guess you wouldn't have too many New Zealanders on the show. Um, right. But, yeah, we can, we, can talk about, um, we can talk about other sports if you just want to keep me talking. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> what's, uh, what's next on your schedule? What's next on your competition schedule? So I need to see, I'll be borderline to make the cut for US Open this year. So I need to see if I get into that. If I don't, um, I'm playing, uh, I'll play qualifying in an ATP event in Winston-Salem, uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's in a couple of weeks. Next week, I'm in Lexington playing this week. Uh, next week, I go down to Bucaramanga in Colombia, South America. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a tournament on altitude clay there so I'll pop down there and um, as I said put my tension up a couple of pounds so I can play in the altitude and then then come back to the States and uh, get ready for either Winston-Salem uh, ATP or, or US Open so that's kind of the plan at the moment but yeah as, as I mentioned before with pro tennis it's kind of it's last minute stuff so you can find out you know, a day or two before that you make the cut for US Open if, if you're borderline like I am, um, and away you go. So, uh, yeah, that's the plan at the moment. And then um, probably in about a month's time, I'll, uh, I'll go and play in Asia, and there's a swing of um, 50 and 75K events out there in, um, in Thailand, China, and Korea. 
so I'll, I'll head out there and um, and play those tournaments. And um, I always try to play in Korea as much as I can because that's where how um, where our warehouse is, um, uh, just outside of Seoul. So I need to visit my team out there and um, make sure they're still happy with me and I'm happy with them. So um, no, it's been good. We've uh, we've had the same team for. Uh, nearly nine years now I've worked with the same engineering and manufacturing team in Korea and um, so yeah I just visit them as much as I can and um, they all like going on uh, they love hiking in Korea um, so we do most of our business chats up mountains um, which is quite fun oh wow that's yeah. cool uh, your workout yeah. for the day and your business meeting yeah, well, I think it's their opportunity to do something physical, but I'm normally exhausted from playing tennis matches, so I kind of want to sit in the room. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's something a bit different. And um, no, we, we have a great team, and um, yeah, we've worked together, same team for nine years, and um, yeah, it's just important to keep that, uh, uh, keep the relationships going, and. Um, Make sure we keep developing and uh, keep progressing the the product uh, so the customer gets the best po- possible product um, over the years. And uh, yeah, we we've done that a lot the last uh, four or five years. We've we're always chipping away at it, always making it better. It's you know it's the same as you know developing a a young junior into a professional player. You just it's it's a work in progress always. It's just chipping away always. Uh, finding ways to to be a better tennis player or creating a better product. It's kind of a similar mindset. So, um, yeah, I I think I've used my mindset that I've had towards uh, the development of my tennis career uh, with developing this product. And, um, yeah, I've just... uh, You you do have a lot of downtime playing pro tennis. Um, You play your matches and... You know, you have possibly six, seven, eight hours a day where, you know, you, you have downtime and I chose to kind of um, stimulate my mind in a different way rather than watching TV or playing video games. And um, so I focused that time on developing this machine and then uh, and nowadays, um, yeah, facilitating what customers need. Um so yeah, no, it's been been an interesting journey, and I hope I've spoken enough words to to keep the uh, reaction <laughs> going for you. Well, I, one thing you touched on that that I do, if you have a few more minutes, I'd love to have you expand on a little bit, is um, the idea of the downtime that you have out on the pro tour because when we watch, you know, people like Roger Federer, Serena Williams. You know, they're constantly making appearances and fulfilling sponsor obligations and media obligations. But uh, when you're outside the top 100, those types of obligations don't really exist. And I think that's an interesting concept that you brought up is that whole notion of, all right, I played my match. I did, I did my gym work for the day. I did my recovery work for the day. Now what? You know, I'm in I'm in a country where I don't really know anybody, and how do I spend my time? And you know, how to keep yourself mentally sharp when you do have that kind of downtime? I think it's it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, um, there you do when you watch uh, players, Federer, whoever it is on TV, you see the final product. And um, some of us might might think that it just comes naturally or they're talented or whatever it is, but the reality is that it is what they've done, not even necessarily on court during their training, but what it's more of a more of a holistic approach really is uh, what they do with their whole day, uh, all the little things that equate to that final product that you see on TV. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's the physical training, the stretch and the yoga, you know, the mental training, the mindfulness, whatever 
they need to do all these tiny little things that equate to what you see on TV. So um, what I, the advice I give to you know the top juniors in New Zealand that I kind of mentor is is that is uh, you know everyone kind of trains three hours a day on court. Um, it's what they're doing in between. Are they sitting there on the couch just watching TV, playing video games for you know another five hours a day while someone out in Germany's you know going through watching tennis on TV, going through matches match analysis, watching videos of their own matches, going through swing techniques. You know, it's all these tiny little things um, that are quite to, to big success over time. So um, that's, that's the advice I give. Um, what are you doing off court when no one's watching? And um, that's, that's the main question that kind of um, that the guys that you see on TV, they're the ones that have mastered that. Um, and most people kind of don't realize what what they've done to to get to that point. So yeah, it, it is all the little things. Uh, even right. even uh, stringing your rackets, having that right tension in your racket, um, and having you know all your rackets strung properly, having the grips on, having them customized to the right the right swing weight. All the all these little things make a big difference over time. So what's next for you? Are there other products in the works? Yeah, there is. There is. Uh, we've got a, got a few things going. Um, I like, when I do something, I like to do it properly. Uh, so just at, at the moment, um, I'm going to finish out my last year of professional tennis next year. Um, and so at the end of next year, I'll stop. And then I'll kind of, Put more focus into pro stringer, and um, and launch a few different products that that we've been working on the last uh, four or five years. Um, but yeah, up and up until then, uh, we've we've got a great product at the moment, the pro stringer platinum, um, and that's been developed for the last five years. That we've really chipped away at that, and it's it's the best it, it, within its. Uh, within that machine, it's the best it could possibly be. So we've kind of perfected that machine and just focusing on that right now. But um, we have worked on different things um, that uh, we, we we would launch uh, at the end of next year. Well, cool. You'll have to come back on the podcast when those launch and and let us know about what's going on. I am curious how you came to the decision that one more year on the Pro Tour. Uh, well, I started pretty young, as I said. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was 16 when I, I got my first points, 17 Davis Cup. So I've played played for about 14 years on tour. Um, been to about every country in the world, apart from uh, a few African countries. Um, so yeah, I've I've seen a lot, done a lot, uh, experienced a lot of tennis. I've got the a few records in Davis Cup, most ties played in history, most matches won in history. I've, uh, I've, I've run its course a little bit, so um, no, I've loved every second of it and um, had an experience that most people uh, are very lucky to experience. So, um, yeah, I've, uh, I just decided that at the end of next year, um, it's a good time for me to kind of move on to different different journeys in life and um, uh, yeah that, that's um, kind of uh, it's run its course and I'm kind of happy with that and is your brother still out playing too no he stopped about three years ago he stopped playing pro tennis um, and he is in New Zealand he's uh, he's doing commercial drones so he's okay. he's one up on me um, <laughs> yeah, he's got, you can develop world first string machines, but I'm going to do commercial drawings. So I said, too good, Oliver. That's that's very good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's doing commercial drawings back in New Zealand, and um, yeah, he's enjoying it. He's married with a kid now, so um, he's living a pretty stable life while I'm 
running around like a headless chicken trying to figure out what country I'm playing in. Well, it's two very different lives for two twin brothers, but both sound very exciting and rewarding. So congratulations to both of you. And it's great chatting with you finally. You and I have been exchanging emails and text messages for it seems like months now. And I'm glad we finally got a chance to do the podcast together. And I got to learn a little bit more about what your life looks like out there on the pro tour. And promoting your business and pro stringer platinum and so thank you for taking time out and thank you for the to the tournament organizers in lexington for giving you a day off yeah i needed that after my uh my first round singles i felt like i needed a wheelchair so it's nice nice to have a day off today and um back at it tomorrow well good luck and uh i'll keep an eye on you and and Best of luck moving forward. Thanks for joining us on the Parenting Aces podcast. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Enjoy your day. Thanks so much for tuning in again. Hope you enjoyed this week's Parenting Aces podcast with professional player Ruben Statham. I sure enjoyed chatting with him. He is just a a really delightful young man, and uh, I wish him all the best as he finishes out his time on the Pro Tour. And I want to encourage all of you, if you haven't already, to subscribe to the Parenting Aces podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to listen, and also to leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. We really do appreciate that. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything referenced in this week's chat, including the promo code if you want to go ahead and invest in a pro stringer, which I highly encourage you to do. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at parentingaces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, tennisballs.com.